Welcome to Change. It's all about the choice podcast. I am Gabby, your host, founder of Gabby Inspires. I empower people of all ages to embrace change. I am a motivational speaker, coach, and workshop leader. I know you are unique. And I will offer in each episode humor and skill building tools that will enable you to make the right choice so you too can embrace change. Welcome to my podcast, Change. It's all about the choice. Hi, I'm Gabby, your host. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to a very interesting man, a man who has faced many changes, made many choices, and most of all, found many opportunities. He has made a lifetime of changing. And it started off in 1955 when he went off to college. And you know what? It's 2022 and he's still in business. When I first met Joe, we had a couple conversations. One of the things I asked him was, what was your best change? And his answer to me was really interesting. He said, it's always the current one. And I like that. (laughs) But to hear what the current is, we're going to have to save the best for last. So let's get started. I want to introduce you to Mr. Joe Leach. Hi, Joe. I'm so excited to share your story with my audience. So are we going to start off in 1955 and going to college? If you'll allow me, I would like to move that to 1956 because I did not go to college from my junior year. Don't make me any older than I am, please. <laughs> in 56, I All right. went to college and actually that was all a big change because I thought I wanted to go to an engineering school and instead ended up going to a liberal arts school. And that was the first of many changes when the director of admissions said, well, why do you want to come here? And I said, I wanted to be an engineer because I've been a ham radio operator since I was in 11th grade. That's in 1955. They asked me, did I know any engineers? Had I ever met a real engineer? And I said, no. And he said, you know, there's a big difference between engineering and gadgetry. And at Allegheny, we have a 3-2 program where you can cooperate in engineering, going to one of the engineering schools, plus get your bachelor's of arts here. And if you find it's not you, you have a great opportunity here at Allegheny to change majors. So that was the first change. And thank heaven that happened because the modern kids know calculus, but I could hardly even spell calculus back then. I get you. I understand. I understand. Oh, the other change in life was full of changes. And uh, seeing as we're not on video, some of you, uh, she didn't uh, say, well, I met this really sort of old guy. And, and I guess the calendar would put me at, at, in that category at uh, 84. But back when I was in school, we all had an eight year military obligation. And uh, I said, okay, if I have to go in the military, I want to go in as an officer. They make more money, amongst other things. They sleep better, they eat better than the enlisted guys. And I thought I'd have an extra chance uh, to become an officer. I like the Navy, they joined the Navy Reserve. So I'd have another chance at uh, the Academy. Well, I joined the Reserves when I was a junior in high school. Again, 1955, Gabby, paid 8, 17 May 1955. I'll never forget it. And uh, I joined the Navy Reserve, but then I went off to college and I couldn't keep up with the meetings. And to make a long story short, so we don't put all your uh, people to sleep, uh, things changed. And when I went to Allegheny, they had Air Force ROTC. So uh, we changed services. That was a a major change right there. 
and ended up uh, going through the ROTC program rather than ending up in the Navy going to the academy. And so it comes time for graduation. And you said, uh, what do we do? Uh, and I guess we had our first real job. I've always had a little part-time job. As a, I'm a serial entrepreneur, by the way. But at any rate, uh, they said, well, what do you want to do when you, when you graduate and you're commissioned? I said, well, I want to do what makes the most rank and the most pay. Well, they said, well, that's, that'd be flying as a pilot. Well, that's interesting. I never built a model airplane, but I said, that sounds good to me. So I signed up uh, for pilot training and graduated, and uh, off we went to uh, pilot training in Bainbridge, Georgia. And uh, so that was the first change from driving cars to driving airplanes. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting. I like that. Where do you want to go after Navy, where just bring us up. So, what's what's your change? Well, let's see where the Air Force is change. Uh, okay. Got my wings and uh, had been flying fixed wing airplanes. Uh, and we started out in late planes, but at any rate, we go through pilot training, and the Air Force sends down a group of assignments. And when you uh, graduate, uh, you're assigned what you're going to fly. And I ended up with an assignment to fly helicopters again. That's a four-syllable word. I could hardly even spell it at any rate. Ended up uh, going off to helicopter school. And in the meantime, uh, after graduating from college in 1960, uh, a major change six months later, got married. Married my hometown sweetheart. Uh, we've been together now 61 years as of last January. But uh, we went off to uh, pilot training. Graduated from pilot training, as I said. And uh, when you get your wings, you're assigned what you're going to do on active duty. So all of a sudden we go off to helicopter school at Stead Air Base at Reno, Nevada. And uh, fast forward, after flying the helicopters and, and the training there, we ended up with a, uh, a helicopter assignment. And we actually flew helicopters on active duty for seven years. And probably, well, it wasn't what I really had wanted to do. My, my goal at the time was to uh, get assigned to four engine turboprop Transports. Any of your older uh, listeners might recognize what the C-133 was. That was my goal, and the goal to become uh, get a high time in that, be able to come out and get a nice job with the airlines. Well, that didn't happen, and uh, that was really a good thing because the C-133s kept throwing air uh, propellers and crashing, and uh, flying helicopters was such a rewarding <laughs> career. I it, it's I guess. Who I think I am, I love the life-saving mission, helping people. And uh, that's really what we did. So uh, at any rate, we went from uh, single-engine, single-engine jets over to helicopters, uh, close to 2,000 hours of the H-43. And now we're coming down into seven years of active duty, two tours in Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Thailand, and so on and so forth. And to return to the States, wow. and the Air Force, that's another change. And this is flying two-engine transports. And the four engine, uh, the Convair 240, which is called T29. And I was the co pilot on the last DC 4 or the C 54 to go out to the uh, Boneyard. So, in the podcast, is a, uh, a podcast about changes. Uh, you, uh, you learn to uh, make changes, and uh, you either learn rather quickly or uh, you get grounded and you lose your flight pay, or worse, you crash. But that didn't happen. 
But as we looked ahead uh, after 10 well, years Well, I'm of glad of that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you and my wife <laughs> and now three kids and grandchildren. <laughs> they still love hear grandpa tell some stories about flying. So at any rate, uh, at, at the time, uh, you look ahead in the military, or I looked at retirement. I said, okay, keep my nose clean. I'll retire as a lieutenant colonel, a colonel. That's 20 years. The kids are going to need college. And basically, I'm going to be looking for a job as I retire. And the retirement pay in the military, you only get paid at half of your highest base pay. Long story short, I was going to have to have another job. And I said, well, 20 years, what am I going to do? All I've done is fly airplanes. I better make this career change when I can. And so we looked around, resigned our regular commission, stayed in the reserves, thank heaven. And a few more changes, and uh, life really began a series of changes then. My first job was with Drexel University in the admissions department. And uh, I loved Drexel. It was one of the only 3-2 college that had co-op education so the kids would know what they were going to get into when they graduated. They had three co-op periods of actually working in their field, ideally. At any rate, there's no money to speak of in academic admissions. You need to be a professor or something in mainstream. Uh-oh, got to change again. I talked to a headhunter. He said, you know, I have a job with, as a detail man. I said, I don't want to sell car, cars or clean them. That's what a detail man was. He said, no, this is one of these, the guys, if you go to the doctors, you see them sitting there, there in the waiting room with a bag and they're waiting to go and see the doctors. At, and the companies like to hire people a little older such as you are now you've had you know 10 years of active duty experience so uh, you don't look like you just got out of college to these doctors that you try to tell them how to practice medicine <laughs> at any rate so there we went all of a sudden uh, Pfizer off for about four months of training where they teach you enough medicine to be dangerous plus pharmaceutical because you got to talk to the pharmacists you have to talk to the doctors in their language and well, that went on a couple, three years and I wanted a promotion, but the only promotion they could offer me was to go to New York City in the training department. I don't commute to Manhattan. Are you nuts? <laughs> At any rate. So uh, I thought, okay, where can we go and take this career? Hmm, I saw an ad, wanted people that can be comfortable talking with high level people and things like that. Well, there's nothing any higher level than the, uh, Head of medicine at Princeton, uh, you know, the, the hospital there. Or so, in fact, Princeton I, sticks in my mind because most doctors, I, I think, uh, take, you know, direct lessons from God, but the Princeton doctors told God what to do. <laughs> at any rate, uh, we went into the pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> That's cute. For a few years. Yeah, another change. At any rate, uh, that, uh, that was very interesting. Uh, job working there and, and uh, but that's what Pfizer said we'd like you to have you come to New York and teach some of these other people to do it I didn't want to do that so I'm, I'm looking around again that ad talk to high-level people I've been talking to who are those high-level people they're bank presidents what's what's the gig we need some people that are, can help them market time and temperature displays so they have an identity so off we go to American Sign and Indicator Corporation and talking in bank presidents and their boards as to why they need to have one of these signs that can identify them and separate them from their partners or their competition in a town. There are only one time of temperature display usually. Well, that was an interesting change. 
until the company went bankrupt. Oh, my Lord. What am we going to do now? So another change came about, and I'm talking to all the people that I knew in that industry, and one person uh, who was a bank president had a cousin who was a manager with Dearborn Chemical. And Dearborn Chemical had a characteristic of their salespeople were really, really great chemists, but they forgot why were they, they were there. They were there to sell Dearborn Chemicals products. So Dearborn had the idea, well, why don't we take somebody who can adapt to change and learn quickly, but who has a personality of a salesman rather than a chemist? And, and I was, was fortunate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I had to learn how to spell chemist because I darn near flunked chemistry when I started to be an engineer. <laughs> and uh, to make a long story short again, talk about changes. Maybe that's why in our casual conversation, uh, I bet you were thinking, oh, my gosh, get a hold of this guy. I can fill four podcasts just with him at any rate. And we may. We may go on. <laughs> at any rate, that's a career in from from in the chemistry field and promoted coming to Pittsburgh. And uh, I changed companies from Dearborn to uh, Dow. Uh, a little bit of change in technology over to the mining construction chemicals are used there. But uh, to make a long story short, without going into a lot of detail, uh, Dow was going under a lot of changes with a lot of people. And the man that hired me and who and I had a really great relationship got transferred. And there were people that thought uh, they should have my job rather than I having my job. And there's a fair amount of politics and I'm anything but a politician. And all of a sudden I found myself receiving a notice. Joe, we're so sorry. We've abolished your position. We'll make sure you have a good transition package. We wish you well. <laughs> and so another change. But having worked in the field of water and wastewater, which was part of the, the environmental group with uh, Dearborn and Dow, that took me over to uh, basically where I didn't have a whole lot of change other than day-to-day -day business operations that I went into business for myself for close to 25 years as a manufacturer's rep, it's still adapting the ability to change because we had some 15 lines working in the municipal markets, working with private developers. And I'm talking to you from Pittsburgh. I could probably point out half of the sewage treatment plants and pump stations in Western Pennsylvania. And in fact, I've sometimes done that when we're driving down the road, pointing that one out to my wife. I, you know, this is where the, she said, that's the last thing I thought I'd ever get married to a guy who would be pointing out sewage plants to me. <laughs> Always have something to talk about, right? Oh, oh, yes. If you can't see them, sometimes you can smell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've One been of that word, if you don't have a sense of humor, uh, you know, humor and faith, that's about all that keeps you go keeps me going anymore. Uh, and I think more of faith probably than humor. Uh, because the humor I've been called is a little weird. Oh, that's no. At any rate, uh, humor's not bad at all. I enjoy some humor in this podcast. <laughs> so at any rate, after about 25 years, and, uh, we thought we were going to retire. And uh, while I was doing that, uh, another change. Because when you anybody who's been a rep or sold capital equipment, you might, and work commission only, you might learn that you only have two or three major pay periods that are worthwhile in a year and you get by and you budget. 
So to do that and fill in the gaps, I got involved in life and health insurance uh, with a company that many people, I won't use the name particularly, but the uh, slogan was buy term and invest the difference. Okay. So at any rate, uh, I really became enthroned or enthralled, I should say, yeah, enthroned, that's, <laughs> I don't, don't want to go there yet, <laughs> with the financial services business. And frankly, how little financial education most people receive. And that was a, a really a turn into uh, entrepreneurship at a, a different level. So at any rate, uh, we, uh, we retired, moved to Florida. I had a daughter down there, still have a daughter down there. And uh, we tried retirement. We went on a couple of cruises, probably put out about 30 pounds. <laughs> <Do that either. laughs> That's the, the retirement 30. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, Cruising's a lot of fun, and uh, I'm not a golfer, so I know a lot of people golf, but uh, I would offend a lot of golfers if I, you know, shared how foolish I think it is to pay money to get aggravated, chase a little white pill around a pasture, and come home and be tired. Yeah. <laughs> We're frustrated. Oh, you know, I'm told it's a game of concentration. I thought I could concentrate and coordination. I play a pretty decent piano and uh, organ. And if I could coordinate and flying the helicopter, sir, but I couldn't hit that dog on golf ball. So I gave that up for the most part. And an opportunity came by uh, to revert to what I had been doing in the field of financial services with insurance, helping people. And about, what, about what year was this? Do you remember? That must have been around 2007 to 2008. Okay. All right. So we're, we're coming up. All right. Yeah, All we're, right. we're getting any rate. Uh, we, we did that for uh, some years and built a nice little book. I moved over primarily to specialize into Medicare. And I'm still a licensed and a practicing Medicare broker, but focusing uh, pr primarily uh, in just that senior market. I've been doing some other things. I, I don't do anything. And, uh, I have it for a long time in the financial services area. Uh, I frankly don't feel that a part-timer has any business uh, getting involved and making those kinds of, uh, particularly investment recommendations, whether it's insurance or whether it's annuities. And there's too many. I think that's a, I feel that takes a, a very special professional. So uh, that was part of the theme of why I resigned from the uh, by term invested difference company. They were using a lot of part-timers and making it decisions that I, I just didn't feel were right and proper. I, I think, you, you know, you really need to know your customers. You really need to know the market. And I don't think there's any way a part-timer can do that. Part of my philosophy in working as a rep in this is that a person that is armed with the knowledge they need to make to make an intelligent decision will always make that decision in their best interest. But a lot of people don't have the uh, the knowledge and if they're relying on somebody that only has a narrow frame of reference to teach they're not going to get all the knowledge and uh, so uh, that just wasn't uh, consistent with who i feel that i am and uh, it was also frustrating because i like to teach and a lot of people quite frankly uh, are not interested in learning as much as they should about a field and it's an interesting thing in the field of sales People make decisions 
emotionally and justify them rationally. I had the other way around. I was approaching from, from rational, and I don't really particularly care for sales of the technique because I think if you, if you really believe in that, Gabby, people make decisions emotionally. What are you going to do to be a successful salesperson? You're going to go after the emotion of that person. You're going to, you know, I had one manager say, do you want to be a broke educator or a wealthy salesperson? And the other things he said, you know, you, you need to that sales thing. If they don't have a problem, give them one. Because until they feel some pain, they're not going to buy or listen to a darn thing you're saying. So uh, that sort of took me out of that field. And uh, we still do Medicare yeah. because most of the seniors either want to trust what you have to say, but we've built that trust. And that's what I think is so important because what it comes down to it, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. I commend you for that because in this day and age, it, it is, you know, money's tight for for a lot of seniors and and to care. That that's another thing. When I met you, that I could tell right away, you care about what you do. You you care about what you stand for. So let me let me pat you on the back there, okay? <laughs> well, thank you. And we're almost up to the current period of time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe out of time for this podcast. I don't know. I'm not watching the clock. No, keep going. We're going to get up here. Yeah. <laughs> well, basically, uh, I said I'm a senior and uh, we moved back to Pennsylvania. And, and really, uh, I didn't really need the income a lot from that. I, I loved it. I had a good book of business. I wanted to stay current. And I was about, for the most part, retired other than taking care of my clients, working on a referral particularly difficult market where I live here because I know you're, you've told me your audience is uh, all over the country and then maybe some Pittsburghers are very, very unique. And I say that having worked in a lot of areas of being a national sales manager, I didn't say everything about what we've done, but Pittsburghers have a high degree of loyalty to the people they know, like, and trust. They don't seem to move. The relationships are very, very solid. when you come into an area and we came back to Pittsburgh, after living in Florida eight years, I thought this Medicare will be a piece of cake. And, and it wasn't because if somebody would turn to 65 or age in, I'd make a contact or a referral. And they would say, well, Joe, you seem like you know what you're doing. You almost seem like a nice guy. Those crazy jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but we've been doing business with Gabby or Tom, you know, but we'll, we'll be happy to take your name and so on and so forth. So I was still staying active marginally and somewhat satisfied with what I'm doing. My wife was noticing maybe I'm aging a little bit because uh, well, I probably was. I didn't have that same spark. And by the grace of God, and uh, I, I, I'm a believing Christian. It could be a stronger one, I guess. But I had a friend contact me who I knew and said, Joe, what are you doing? And so on and so forth. We shared stories. He said, I've been thinking about you. And he said, I have something I think that you would love and it's emerging and you won't have that competition problem because there's hardly anybody that's doing it. Nobody's going to have a friend from high school and what have you. And I said, what is it? And he said, what do you know about technology and solar? I said, uh, a fair amount. I have been a solar advocate for uh, over seven years. When we moved into our house here, we had solar panels put on the roof almost immediately. And I believe that not only from the savings that I have seen, but also from the belief that when you're using an alternative clean energy source, 
you're uh, doing something a little bit to help the environment and get rid of the carbon footprint. And he says, uh, I think you'd love it. The solar business is emerging like crazy. And there's a lot of differences. And the company that uh, I'd like to have you take a look at is very, very different in their model of business. In fact, they started out that way. Uh, Jonathan Trent, who's a founder, basically uh, got first involved with the idea. He wanted to make a difference in the planet and do some things. And he didn't set the first goal of making millions of dollars in the solar industry. But at any rate, uh, he looked at the problems in marketing it and uh, came up with a completely different product, a different process. And uh, I looked at the video that my friend sent me, did some background uh, checking out the company. It's a power, P-O-W-U-R, PBC. It's a public benefits corporation, which was consistent with my overactive help gene, if you will. And uh, I said, you know, I have to do that. I have to. Because amongst other things, inflation has hit just particularly in the last six or eight months, whether it was COVID and all that money that got dumped in. And we all know we're, we're all experiencing a problem with that. Some of the shortages due to Ukraine. But I think most of us that have We've experienced it. Maybe your podcast or your podcast people would agree that inflation has probably hit more in the last 12 to 18 months at any time in, in their lifetime. We know it has with mine. Exactly. And, I've uh, heard that. Yes. From yeah. everybody I talk to. Yes. Well, one of the things that I can make a difference in the people's lives about uh, 90% of the people whose homes are eligible for solar don't have it, but a, a conversion to solar when it is proper and they know what they're doing and there's some big differences. I'm not going to use your, your show to do a commercial, but there are differences when they learn. They can almost immediately get a, oh, anywhere from 10 to 50% cut in what they're paying their electric bill through the utility. And it may only be 10% the first year, but when somebody puts in solar, they own their own source of the electricity particularly if they own their own equipment. They, they, so, so when you own it and sunshine produces the electricity, sunshine doesn't have any rate increases. But, <laughs> but just definitely. whatever company that people use in solar is going to have a rate increase in at least one of the three areas. You know, there's somebody's electric bill has three components, where the power is generated and how, the second is the taxes and how many of your listeners, if they could call in now, would inundate you with calls to say, yes, my taxes have been reduced. I don't think you'd have any phone calls. No, I don't think so. No. <laughs> and, and the third is the, the transmission, the substations and all that. That takes, you know, you want to pay those linemen and, and those rates. Everything is going to go up. But yes. when you generate the solar on your own property, whether it's in your backyard or the panels on your roof, you can have them either way. And, and that equipment paid for, you know, you're not going to have those rate increases. And none of that is going to add to the value of the home. So at any rate, this is what I learned from the video. And uh, it, this company is fantastic. And I, I just said, I got to do this there. I can help people. Right now, right out the door, with a 
conversion, if their house is suitable, the first thing we do, we have to do is we have to talk with them, you know, compare their electric bill. If there's only two people living in the house and they don't settle, it, it, it may not be feasible. I don't know. There's no promises, but we'll talk. If it makes sense, we'll tell the people what they need to know. I, I have no fear of competition in any way, shape or form, because when people know what they're looking for, uh, as I said, uh, without doing a commercial, I have no so here I am, and it's it is uh, August 2022. Been at this about six months. It uh, got me out of retirement. You and I have met each other. My wife says, "Hunt, that's what you needed. You're acting ten years younger." I <laughs> well, today I was I was up and out the door at seven o'clock to meet with four people to talk with them because in in our area we just came into southwestern Pennsylvania. There's four of us that are in charge for building this area and hiring and I'm looking for consultants to train. I've been a manager. So at any rate, what the heck am I doing at 84? I don't know. The only thing I can say is I worked this hard at 62, 65, and it's not hard work. Work is something you do if you don't love it. And you love it. I can tell you love it. <laughs> and that's it. Well, I love helping people, you know, and, and getting paid while you're doing it isn't half bad. Isn't it? And and it shows. And that's something I recognized about you right away before, you know, we even knew that you did, you care about people and you care about your reputation. You're, you're an upstanding person. And that's why I ask you to be on my podcast. And we, well, well thank you. I appreciate it very much. There's some things, you know, that you, you were in drain as a boy scout, as an air force officer, and a lot of things. My grandfather was a pastor. I don't hide behind being a Christian because of the label, but uh, our our son is a pastor. Our grandson is going to his last year of seminary, and there's Christian values. I, I'm lucky, and I thank you. I, I give thanks that it maybe showed through a little. It did. It really did. But I want to um, give you a chance now. Do you have an email or a phone number or a web page that people can contact you? Or My cell phone is 412-219-4187. My email is J for Joe, V for Victor, Leach, J-V-L-E-E-C-H at gmail.com. I have an overall page. HTTPS secure. That's HTTPS colon slash slash solar S O L A R dot Joe Leach J O E L E E C H dot com. And there's some things about our company and how one can uh, request, you know, uh, consultation. I'd like to have your your electric bill. We do work in uh, 21 states. Just opening in Ohio. I'm particularly looking for a couple of people in Ohio that have a good entrepreneurial spirit that uh, would like to increase uh, their income and uh, jump on the bandwagon of renewable energy. But day-to-day uh, -day here in, in uh, southwestern Pennsylvania, any place that uh, people would like to save money on their electricity. California is the number one state for that in the uh, country. Texas is number two. Florida number three, a couple of misconceptions if you're watching this, say from southwestern Pennsylvania, because everybody knows Gabby, some misconceptions that, oh, it won't work here, there's too many cloudy days, 
It's Mole City. I'll be happy to send a copy of my electric bill. My electric bill is $12.73 for the last eight years and at least two weeks out of the year. I have a couple of inches of snow on my panels. They work. At any rate, uh, there's a lot of things I can help you become comfortable with. If you're going to move in 10 years, that's okay. It'll make your house more valuable. You'll need to learn about that. Probably the most important thing, if you're looking at any solar, whether it's me or some of the competitors, look at it as a system. A system is your panels, your inverter, your net metering, your financing arrangements. Can you pay it in some way? And probably the most important thing, in my opinion, is that warranty. Do you have a warranty overall for the length of time that the periods are going to last? Or do you have a warranty? Uh, on the panels, uh, each of the components. So if something goes bad, you say, oh my gosh, how many years was that? Who do I call? Or do you have a single source? And then who backs it? Is a company solid? And uh, all of you can learn how to, uh, you know, do background checks and vet the companies you're looking at. So that's your, that's your, that's your education of the technical extent for the day. And if I do, do anything else about solar, I hope you'll look at it because uh, today President Biden is supposed to sign, and maybe he has, I've been busy all day, a rule on renewable energy that gives a federal income tax credit starting next year at 30%. It's 26% right now because we are having some problems as a world of global uh, heating. And no, I am not a student of Al Gore, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, we have to be honest. Yeah. The climate is changing. Is it all of our you know, human fault or not? But everything we can do to help ourselves is so important. And our kids, our grandchildren depend upon it. Okay. Well, Joe, it has been such a pleasure. That's the perfect story to end this podcast. Give everybody some hope, something to look forward to in the future. But I enjoyed having you and you have proven that you've faced many changes and made many choices and found many opportunities. And I'm glad you shared all of them with us. And, and thank you for being a guest speaker on change. It's all about the choice podcast. And I'm wishing you so much success in your position in the solar consulting and specialist business. But for all my audience, Remember, every opportunity begins with a choice. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast. Please leave me a comment on my website because I love hearing from all of you. And if there's a subject you'd like me to talk about or you'd like to hear, tell me that too. But maybe you'd like to be a guest speaker. Again, check out my website, GabbyInspires.com. Look for the subtitle podcast and click on it and complete the sign up tab. And I can interview you just like I did Joe. So farewell guys. And I'll talk to you in two weeks. Hey friends, it's that time again. Time to say farewell for this episode. Thanks for listening to Change. It's all about the choice podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. I would love to hear from you. Invite me to speak to your group or hold a workshop. Go to my website at GabbyInspires.com 
or text me at 724-524-3464. What do you want to change? It is your choice. I will see you in two weeks. In the meantime, be sure to check out my other episodes. Farewell.